Hey, does your marketing effort include asking questions? Well, I sure hope it does, because when you ask questions, you provide a better service and product to your patients and members. We thought we'd take this one step further. In our updated software, Trust Driven Care, which you can check out at trustdrivencare.com, we added in a whole survey module. Now, why did we add this in? Well, over the last five years, surveys have become wildly popular as a great way to get information from prospective clients and even current clients. You can ask surveys about how are we doing? What exercises do you like the most? You can even send a survey a year after somebody got discharged to ask them what they remember about your office. Those things can help refine and build your marketing efforts. They can also help refine and build your customer service efforts. But we thought they were so important, we added an entire module of surveys to our software. Based on the questions, automation can happen. Based on the answers they give, you can send them access to a course, or you could send that person into a different website, or you could automatically register a task for somebody to reach out to them and call them. Let's say if they weren't satisfied or their back still hurts, give them a call. But surveys are so powerful, and that's one of the new features that we added to Trust Driven Care. Check it out at trustdrivencare.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by Emma Jack. Emma, how are you? I am so great. I am so thrilled to be here and reconnect with you. And thank you for having me on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So uh, for our listeners, I met Emma at the Jane Ambassador event up in beautiful Vancouver, Canada. Um, uh, Emma is also a, a Jane Ambassador and uh, uses Jane and also work with, works with folks who use Jane. And therefore, uh, they decided to invite her to the event. And then I was lucky enough to be there as well. And Emma was a bright bulb at the whole event. Like, uh, uh, I loved your journey after, was it before or after physio school when you went to teach skiing or something? Uh, so before physio school, sort of in between my undergrad and physio school, yeah. I moved out uh, to BC to be in Whistler for the 2010 Olympic year. Awesome. Um, and, and be involved in the lucrative business of working at Ski Hill. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm sure you use all those funds I, to pay for physio school. <laughs> I am <laughs> pretty sure I came out of that year in the red. Yes. I know. I have a few friends that have become lifties and, you know, ski instructors and stuff. And it is yeah. like, they have incredibly rich stories. They have amazing athletic skills and they need to borrow some money for gas, basically. A <laughs> hundred. Yep. That, that, that lands. That lands. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, Emma is a physio herself or what in the U.S. we'd call it a physical therapist, but you guys uh, dress it up a little bit with physiotherapist, exactly. just like you add that fancy cue to the word check in, uh, in Canada. Or all of our U's, color, yeah, color labor, labor, honor. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but you also uh, work with other clinicians in kind of a, what would you call it? Workshop retreat, coaching kind of environment as well. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, um, you know, my, my journey into that was not, uh, intentional. I'll mm -hmm. say, <laughs> um, I found myself sort of five to six years into my career feeling deeply burnt out 
Um, I had yeah, always wanted, I had always wanted to be a PT. I had a great experience of PT growing up. I, you know, I was quite active and had some injuries and I adored my PT. And so I sort of put myself on this path of becoming a PT. And so it was, you know, deeply disorienting to be, mm-hmm. to have done the thing, to be a PT, to have, you know, had some amazing opportunities in the field. and. To feel like, oh my gosh, I hate this. You know, you know what's even crazier to me in that story? There's a lot of people I think that are that get to that point that are burnt out. I mean, I know a hundred yeah. clinicians that have said they're burnt out. You actually took time off because I think sometimes the burnout is I was an AP student in high school, then I went to undergrad and I worked really hard, then I went right into PT school or Cairo or whatever for grad school. And there's never been a break. There's never been a yeah. summer off or like, hey, I backpacked through Europe or whatever. You had that in your ski year, yeah. you know, to, to do something completely different than academics. And yet it still wasn't, an, um, although it might've charged your batteries, it still wasn't enough of a battery to carry into that first five years of practice, which by all accounts should be the most exciting time. You know, everything's new, everything's exciting. Yeah. And so I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think there are people who are getting into that fourth, fifth, sixth year and they're like, getting the itch of, is this, is this really forever? Yeah. I remember, I I deeply remember leaving. I I worked at a very prestigious sports medicine facility here in Canada. Um, I worked with the Canadian women's hockey team. Um, Mm -hmm. I like, again, very early in my career had these amazing opportunities. You ask a young Emma, what do you want to do? Yeah. Work with athletes. What are you doing? I checked all the boxes. Yeah. I checked all the boxes and I, I'll never forget leaving work one day and walking through the parking lot and just thinking to myself, is this the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And not yeah. in a not in an excited way. Yeah. Um, and it it really led me to a place of deep reflection around what I needed in order to thrive mm-hmm. within the profession. Yeah. And rather than sort of following what I saw other people had done, mm-hmm. really looking at what do I need in order to make this career path work for me. And now- I, just out of curiosity, I mean, there's a lot of PTs and a lot of chiros out there that are working for peanuts in their first year. Was it, was the financial pressure also pushing on you? Because that's a common area of burnout is where you're working long hours, not making any money. And you're like, I can't break free. But for you, was it financial or was it more emotional or like, you're like, I used up all my empathy a couple of years ago. I've got none left. <laughs> Probably, it's probably a bit of a blend. I don't think the financial mm-hmm. piece was as strong for me mm-hmm. as I, you know, I I got going in my career and went so full force into it, you know, was so gung-ho. And, and I love that about myself. But, mm-hmm. you know, I took all the courses. I got all the credentials. I was spending yeah. my weekends doing sport coverage. I was, you know, showing up to clinic half an hour early to plan my day. I was spending three hours, you know, documenting and emailing people and exercise programs. And I was, I was really trying to be the absolute best PT for yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And it was just deeply not serving me. Um, and I think, so it was more that sort of continued drive and feeling like I needed that next 
course yeah. or credential yeah. or yeah. workshop that was really taking me out of remembering yeah. that I was a human and not just a rehab robot. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of folks in our world, we use education sometimes to hide. Like we're almost education addicts. You know, yes. like if, if you were like, yeah. And it, and it, how would I say this? Much like some people might be like, oh, I couldn't do that because I can't go to your birthday tonight, Emma, because I have a run scheduled, right? Right. And they're using what really they don't, they have social anxiety about going to a party. So then they're like, well, I'll exercise instead. And when you go, oh, I'll go to this education thing, I'll get this certification or the reason I'm not as happy as I want, or the reason I'm not getting people better like I want to is because I haven't yet completed the, you know, I've only done level one. (laughs) And if I were to be a level three practitioner, then I would be internally happy. And it's like, no, but it's, but using education for that rather than saying, oh, I'm going to have another drink and expect things to improve. The, the input is near era, the out, the outcome is nearly the same. Like neither one of them works, you yeah. know, but I was, I was definitely trying to fill. I not necessarily like a void, but I was trying mm-hmm. to gain confidence through other people telling me, Oh, you can do this now. Or, Oh, you're good at this now. Yeah. Josh, I literally did another master's degree. Like that's the, the depths we went to here. So it was, it because was all coming. your patients were saying, I, I won't come back unless you have another master's. <laughs> Two right? master's degrees, right? Yeah. So I think I got to this point where I realized, huh, interesting. I have spent the past five, six years and probably at that point, $100,000 mm-hmm. thinking that this was going to get me where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And actually, I feel so much worse than I did before. And so it was that yeah. recognition that that whatever I was looking for wasn't outside of me. It was, I needed to look within myself. Yeah. I, I, uh, you're reminding me of, of a moment I can think of. I was about four years into practice and I was, it was like in September and I was trying to get a, I was looking at this course. I won't name what brand it was, but I was convinced I needed the level, whatever, three of it. And I was trying to get it done by the end of the year. And, you know, I'm like looking and looking, what's our travel schedule? What are we doing? What's our holiday schedule? My wife stops me and goes, what is it that you're searching for? And at first I was like, oh, I want to, I want to find one of these courses that is before the end of the year, but I can travel to. She's like, I know, but what are you, what are you searching for here? Like, and it was like, well, obviously the answers to the secret of life. I mean, that's what's in this level three course, you know, that's what they share. It kind of, you know, in that way, sometimes maybe this is a little extreme, but sometimes, you know, those models where like, we'll reveal the next thing, mm-hmm. the next course can be kind of yeah. like cult-like. Yeah. Like it very much is sort of this like dangling carrot. And I think I, I really did have to wake up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what happened then? So you make this realization and mm-hmm. uh, of um, course you just went home, solved it overnight and journaled and you're fine, right? <laughs> Uh, I only wish. Um, yeah, I ended up, you know, at a, a pretty low moment. I, I will say, you know, I sort of had that initial thought in the parking lot that night. 
But it was probably about six months later when I I started dealing with a lot of anxiety and Mm. I started having panic attacks that I said, okay, here, this needs to be addressed in in a more actionable way, right? Like I wasn't going to just like bubble bath my way out of this. Um, And so I did take six weeks um, away from clinic and I'll never forget, I uh, Googled safest place to travel alone. And the safest place to travel alone is Scandinavia. Um, and so I went, uh, I went to Scandinavia by myself. I went to Iceland, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Um, and just let myself have fun. I hiked, I biked, I jumped in the ocean. I, I went, I literally went to an amusement park by myself and really started to realize that I hadn't been allowing myself to live. I had been so career focused that I, I forgot who I was just as a person and as a human. And that's really, my brand is called Press Play. And and that's really where Press Play was born, was this notion of not only as a clinician, did I need to make sure I was cultivating, you know, myself as a human and having fun and like Mm -hmm. remembering that like, Having fun is always an option. But then I also, once I came home and, and did come back into clinic, I really saw that need and reminder for so many of my clients too, you know, people who are coming into me with chronic headaches and really being like, what do you do for fun? Right. And realizing that, you know, I think it's, it's so deeply ingrained in us that productivity and work is put on a pedestal. And I think play and fun and laughter needs to be put on that exact same pedestal in order to have us be productive and do our work um, yeah. in a way that that really allows us all to I love thrive. It. It's interesting too, because like so much of, when I say this, when you're going to grad school, Cairo, PT, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're you're coming off what, sometimes unfortunately is like the high point of your life, which is college, right? When you were, you had that balance of like a place to live, cheap rent. You would, you could survive on ramen. You're around you all your do, friends. Yeah. You're around all your friends. and like, you had 20 people and you go, Hey, let's three of us go to these hot springs we heard about. Let's drive. It's two hours away, but it's a Sunday night at six o'clock. Who cares? We're doing it. Right. Yeah. And that like uh, spontaneous nature and actually, actually like, or, or I remember having a moment I tell my wife this all the time. I remember there were, I went to college in Bozeman, Montana, which is a tiny little okay. town. Okay. Yeah. In I know Bozeman though. Yeah. Okay. So imagine Bozeman in 1999 and there was, this word shouldn't even be used. There was a nightclub. Okay. It, yeah. It was not a club like you're thinking anything else. It was just a, a bar that uh, had like, you know, a hundred square feet of linoleum that people would dance on. But, it, you yeah. know, anyways. And I remember like dancing with, you know, I, there were some buddies around, there were some girls around, like, and everybody there was like college age. We're just having fun. And I remember having the thought, like, I freaking love this. I will, I will make sure that I dance every week of my life Mm. and then go from that moment to, you know, the next time I dance is probably at some wedding of a a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that all the time. And I'm like, oh yeah. And then you wake up the next day and you're like sore and weird place in your joints. You're like, 
oh, because I, the most exciting thing I've done is gone to the gym and like dancing makes you move and like, you know, yeah, use that ball and socket ways. in your hip and shit, <laughs> shake your booty. Yeah. And it's like, God dang it. Of all the things like dancing doesn't cost any money. It's not like I said, oh, I'm going to paraglide every week. Right. And it's like, well, the weather wasn't good or I need a new wing or this got damaged yeah. or whatever. No, it's just like dancing. Like, come on, throw on some music and dance in your kitchen, for God's sakes. And I don't do it. It's available. Yeah. It's available to us always. And then like, yeah. it, I, to your point, it doesn't have to be extreme. But I think those, you know, we have good, you know, for those evidence-based people yeah. out there, like we have good evidence around, you know, completing the stress cycle through something like dance. And when we like, don't allow ourselves to do these things and move in these ways and express ourselves. It, it It's like our worlds start getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. And, and I think that was where so much of my anxiety was really coming yeah. from was I had blocked myself off from so many things and so much right. joy. And you, you were, know? and to your patients, you, when you're young and you had had the, the year in Whistler, right? Like, you are so interesting in those points. And then the interestingness gets blunted, you know, like, totally. and then the next thing, like if you're a, for physios, I'm sure you'll understand this, but every clinic director wearing a button down shirt and bad khakis, he got at Costco <laughs> was once a, probably a, a ski person. instructor who would dance at night, you know? And you're like, Oh my oh, God, I love that. That was cool, Sean. And now it's like, Sean's the guy with glasses and, and, you know, salt and pepper hair that's talking to you about, uh, you know, increasing your RVUs. It's a term in America, but it, <laughs> yes. it, you know, increasing your, you know, oh yeah, make sure you're efficient with your clinical time. And it's like, what happened, Sean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, Sean should hold up a mirror and be like the same thing that's happening to you. The exact mm. same thing, you know? Yes. We're all complicit in this in yeah. a way together, because I think society often paints this picture of like, you know, this is, this is the trajectory and these are the steps and this is what it takes to get there. And it's just, it's simply not true that you can't have fun and enjoy. Yeah. And why not along the way? And you become so attractive to patients when you are, when you have, it's like the, the Iron Man thing and Tony Stark, you know, when it's like dimming yes. out, no, but we all have that. And it's like this, whatever you want to call it, adventurous side, dancing side, interesting side. Even if you're like, I really love reading crime novels and you might figure out you haven't set aside time to read crime novels. So the thing that interests you the most and gets you to talk to people and blah, blah, mm -hmm. isn't, isn't there anymore. So anyways, so you saw this problem Yeah. going back to this Emma's little, you know, journey here. So you saw this yeah. problem, you start having panic attacks, you go to the, the safest place to travel alone. <laughs> I just pictured Google like putting up one of those red banners, not Bogota, Colombia. No, yeah, <laughs> not exactly. Pakistan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I yeah. really came back from that trip with, um, with a new perspective. And um, ironically, what I chose to do post that trip, you know, sort of my next step was I started a blog because back in, what was that, 2015? Blogging was still very much a thing. Oh, you, if you live in North America and you travel to Europe, you almost were required to start a blog yeah. to oh, get your passport. Necessary. It's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't see a blog. We're not going to let you back into the States until you have one. Yeah. Uh, so I just started this blog and really started to share sort of what was real and true for me. I wasn't sharing 
much about, you know, physical therapy or rehab. It was really sort of just an outlet, a creative outlet that I held that was outside of PT. And the ironic thing about it is what started to happen is other PTs or in other, you know, Cairo, osteo, strength and conditioning started to reach out to me saying, thank you so much for writing that blog. I feel the same way right now. And I started to see how it was not just me who, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't thriving in sort of this traditional model that we had been, you know, sold. And I sort of, because I was hearing from all these people, I was like, I want them to see each other. I want everybody to know that, like, they're not alone in some of yeah. these struggles. And so probably in 2016, I started just hosting Zoom calls and Zoom was like very tech forward back in those days. Um, And I just, I wanted people, I wanted to hold space where we could talk about some of the hard things that come up, you know, mm-hmm. being somebody of service and, and providing help to others. And so I did that and, you know, eventually also started to notice that a lot of clients were connecting with my clinic and specifically asking to work with me. They had seen my, so I started the blog. And then again, of course, back then you also had to start an Instagram account if you had a blog to promote your blog. So they had, you know, connected with me on Instagram, saw me share and were really wanting to see me. And so eventually I looked at this and I thought, okay, everybody is calling directly asking for me. And then I am, you know, giving back to the clinic at that point, about 60% of that revenue. And it gave me the confidence to do it on my own. So I started Mm -hmm. my own clinic Um, and it was in the back of a spin studio. It was an eight by 10, no windows, concrete room. Uh, but I made it cute. I added my my color and flair to it, made it fun. Mm-hmm. And I was fully booked month one. Wow. And so, you know, I really approached the design of my own clinical practice from the lens of what will make this fun for me? What will make me excited to show up to work every day? So I did a lot of things that I didn't see happening in clinical spaces. Um, I, I chose, you know, it definitely didn't look like or operate like a lot of your standard, uh, clinics, but it felt so good for me and allowed me to thrive. And in turn, because I felt so good, my patients felt that too. And so, you know, I shared that whole process. I opened in the end of 2018 and within months I had other healthcare practitioners connecting with me saying, Hey, I see what you've done. I see what you've created. I want to do the same. Can you help me? Yeah. You know, what's interesting when you say that, like when we, you know, in this group, we talk about uh, adding a gym to your clinic. Right. Yeah. And as you're saying, like these different, getting these different people reaching out to you and going, Hey, you, you, you know, you, I thought, I, I thought you were writing a blog about me. And, you know, like you're telling my story and you hearing it from the person in Toronto and then the person in, you know, Dallas and the person in Australia. And it's like the idea of getting them together makes me think, you know, I always always say like one of the most powerful things about having a gym attached to your clinic is when you can point to the person in the gym and go like, do you see Emma there? Six weeks ago, she had your injury. And now look at her. She's doing a kettlebell swinger. She's doing a, you know, she's pressing weight overhead, whatever it is. And they go like, no, but she didn't have it this bad. And you can be like, 
she actually had it worse than you, <laughs> you know, like, but yeah. we as humans are not good. Like we assume that we're the only person that's going through what we're going through or that we're the only yeah. clinician that has ever been disappointed in our clinical career or frustrated by, you know, whatever yeah. aspect or, uh, you know, as a chiropractor, I think that there are people like, I can remember my brother-in-law saying one time, uh, yeah, but it's not like a real profession. And I'm like, <gasps> wow. Okay. <laughs> what is, Zing. you know, what is a real professional? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the, this person that otherwise like 999 times out of a thousand has been loving and caring and supportive. And so that was like a spear to my heart, you know, but mm-hmm. we think we're the only person going through that. Yet yeah. when I, you know, you get people talking at seminars and stuff, they're like quietly like, yeah, actually that, that happened to me yeah. or whatever. And so the, the whole effect of having that gym full of people that were injured six or eight weeks ago was so powerful, but I'm sure having those Zoom calls or even live events where it's like, dude, I've, you know, I'm suffering from the same, whatever it is, burnout, crisis of confidence, feeling that I'm not enough or thinking of switching careers or even specialties, you know, like, hey, I've studied, you know, postpartum and pregnancy, but I I don't want to work with women like that anymore. And I really want to go after uh, distance runners. It's like, yeah, you're not the only one that thinks that late at night staring at the wall, you know? Yeah. And I think there's such, there's such power in that. And I think ultimately it's like, sometimes it just gives permission and like, lets it be okay. Um, that that's the case. And to your point around the gyms, you know, I started, I, from the beginning of my clinic, I ran group classes. And I think the magic of that was, not only the socialization, I think an injury can be really isolating and to just be around other people. Um, I saw the magic in the socialization of, of people getting to know each other over a number of weeks. But I also saw, you know, I am thinking of one woman in particular who, you know, I, I had worked with her one-on-one, but invited her into to be a part of this group where we, we did exercise. And she pushed her, herself obviously in like a safe way, but she did way more in that one hour session surrounded by other women who she also knew had had back pain than she had ever done with me on her own. Because I think there is this like power of, oh man, that woman's doing it. I can do it too. And I think the same thing happens in a lot of my, you know, group programs and retreats. It's like we can see ourselves in other people once we understand the full scope. And that's where I think social media can be really, it's so great, but it can be so harmful in just seeing a slice of somebody's story and not really understanding the full depth of of what's actually going on. It's really easy to look at a post and see somebody's success, but you know, what were the hardships or what were the doubts along the way? And that's where I think there's so much power, you know, in both realms to, to a group. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you, there's so many things in life where you're like, I would never do that. And then you see four people do it and you're like, okay, yeah, I can do it. Oh, you know? Yeah. yeah huh. <laughs> um, and to your point about Instagram, there's actually this place over, I live in Las Vegas and we have a performing arts center and there's a wall next to the performing arts center. That's like one of the top 10 places on Instagram to take a picture in the U S or something like okay, that. It's yeah. like, it's like the series of pipes and they're all colored differently. So it's just like the perfect backdrop. 
Yeah. So one time we, my wife and I are going to performance over there and there's some girl who's trying to get this picture of her jumping through the air, but she's trying to get her boyfriend to shoot it with, without the bushes at the bottom. So he has to kind of shoot it up and she can't get up high enough for him to get low enough to get the picture and all this stuff. So he's like, I didn't get it. She's looking at the picture. God damn. And she's just going off on him, just absolutely peeling him of what a jerk he is and how he's not supportive and he's this and that. Take the picture. You're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, somehow the next day, I somehow, I, it was suggested to me and I'm like, oh my oh, God, the post. <laughs> that's the girl and that's the background and blah. And like the, you know, it's like a series of posts. The third picture is like her and her boyfriend, like, oh, you know, Jimmy supports me and everything. We're, you know, a soulmate, this and that. I'm like, you weren't soulmates that night, sister. That I saw it. That's not like, how I saw it yeah. going. <laughs> but it's like, if anybody had seen them arguing, you'd be like, okay, it's not all perfect for her. It's not all, yeah. you know, it's not all daisies and, and roses and puppies, you know? And it's like, which is fine. But just like you're saying, like, we see the person we graduated school with, quote unquote, crushing it. And then you don't yeah. realize, yeah, they're in a rented house and, a you know, their in-laws gave them that car and they're broke or whatever, you know? And it's yeah. like, but they put on this, this uh, outward appearance, like they're super successful, you know? And I, I and, think that was so much of like what felt hard for me was, mm -hmm. yeah, on paper, you know, at my lowest point, people from the outside looking in would be like, holy crap, she's crushing it. She's at her mm -hmm. peak. And I felt, I think I almost felt guilty that I felt yeah. so crushed. She has a full schedule of people that are wearing her down and crushing her innards. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't have a half schedule of that. She's got a full schedule. Of <laughs> she is overbooked with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I think so, it's it's so yeah. important to have that, have that, have those spaces where we can be real yeah. and authentic and vulnerable about what's true for us. Yeah. So let's talk about the other side of it. So, I mean, you went through the journey yourself. You said, hey, there are yeah. other people out here. And I know now you're running retreats and workshops and, and stuff where, you know, people can, you know, wear color, smile, <laughs> dance, maybe listen oh, to we music. Dance. Oh, we dance. And there's, there's no, you know, expectations of, uh, you don't have to take chart notes and, and do all your documentation on what happens that day. Like this is a dream world, Emma. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so been, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. it's been my absolute pleasure just to create these spaces. Honestly, I think so much of the work that feels so meaningful to us is when we do stuff that was in service to a past version of ourselves. And I really look back and think everything I created is something like I was craving when I was sort of in those low moments. And so, yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to curate lots of different spaces for clinicians to show up as humans. My sort of big tagline is human first, therapist second. Um, and really, it's understanding that personal development is professional development. And so I really love to create spaces where we can have fun and we can develop as humans and see the pour over that that has into our clinical practice. And so it's been great to get people, you know, on retreats out of their regular environments, out of their regular schedule. You know, I, I have 
held a few retreats and we, I always try and make sure we do some fun activities, whether it's whitewater rafting or going on some epic hikes or cold plunging, you know, you name it. Um, but then also these like times for personal reflection and really, you know, taking stock as, cause I, I think it can be really easy to get on the conveyor belt and just sort of stay there and not analyze whether that's feeling good for you or not. So um, retreats have been absolutely amazing. I, I've done some workshops in, you know, various cities across North America and then, you know, do do a lot of my coaching and group programs uh, via Zoom. So I sort of have these, I love in person, but obviously it's not always uh, accessible yeah. and wasn't accessible sort of. Uh, it's not just in person. I, I like from business planning every year, I can't tell you from my own personal experience, if you sit in your own office or wherever you do work, yeah. if you do work like at your home office or whatever, and you try and business plan there, it's like a five, it's like one 20, 20% as effective as if you were to literally drive to the lobby of a hotel 20 minutes yeah. from your house and sit there and do it. And like getting out of everything that's normal, getting out of your yes. comfort zone, getting out that of it. like, Everything about that, an hour later, two hours later, you'll have so much more clarity and whatnot. Yeah. And that's by yourself. Now you add in a bunch of other people that are yes. going through similar struggles. And it's so funny in humans, I'll be like, oh, Emma, I listened to what you said. And like, it's easy for me to tell you, like, to find the solution there. If it, you know, all you yeah. need to do is walk every day for 20 minutes. And then it's again, like, that person should just hold up a mirror, like, how's your yeah. walking going? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't do it because I'm too stressed. And I don't have time. It's like, that's what she just said. So I thought you had the solution. Anyways. Yeah. The perspective so you way. can gain by changing up your environment, changing up the people you're around, yeah. your routines. I think that is so underestimated. Yeah. Um, and the... You know, the perspective that can be brought in a room full of humans who have potentially been there, done that, and can save you some mm -hmm. time along the way. And I think we can learn so much from each other. And so it's so, I feel so privileged to be, you know, able to create some of these spaces for people. Yeah. So how do people find out about this? Yeah, I would say I'm most active on Instagram. Okay. Um, but like all the, my next retreat is up here in Canada and in June, which I'm so looking forward to. I do have a group program that's, um, launching with Jane, uh, in collaboration with Jane and, and some of our fellow ambassadors, nice. um, nice. a group program, um, to support clinicians sort of through Q1 of 2024, um, coming up. And then otherwise, most of my work is sort of one on one with people. Yeah, and that's all um, on my website, emmajack.com. All right, which recently changed because you recently recently got married. Actually, right? I did not change my name. I kept oh, my name. Um, I, my name was is too easy. It's like short, yeah. sweet, and well, take it back. the name change was going to be too complex. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I told my husband from day one, <laughs> I would yeah. not change my name. <laughs> well, even without without the name change, congratulations on your Thank recent you. wedding. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So folks can go to emmajack.com to find you yeah. or what's or the Instagram uh, at um, press play physio. Yeah. I think that's a, such a great name. Press play physio. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I hope people, people follow you because Emma is a bright bulb man bringing, bringing energy and 
it's it's one of those situations where you know, this is the stuff they don't tell you in school is like, hey, you're going to question everything at some point, you know, <laughs> you're going to think you don't have the clinical skills or, you know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to, I don't know. I think of my chiropractic friends that like are pursuing, um, they work at some personal injury driven clinic oh. and it's like makes a ton of money, see a ton of patients. Yeah. And it's just, they tell me it's just not fulfilling. You know, it's not challenging clinically. You're seeing just the same thing over and over. And, and, uh, you know, I can respect wanting to wanting to have money to raise your kids and feed your family and do all that stuff. Um, but those same people often are frustrated with other things. So, you know, finding that that space to share that and talk about what's next or what's in the future or what I want to preserve, I think is a fantastic approach. So, yeah, I hope everybody checks it out. Well, Emma, this is uh, this has been a ray of sunshine in my day, just like you are a ray of sunshine in in my life. <laughs> so. Sun yeah, is like literally in on me right across. now. <laughs> yeah, if everybody, if, 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 we only published the audio of this, but it's very funny because Emma's wearing a brightly colored sweater and the sun is shining on it, but then you have a shadow on your face. It's like, yeah. just the, I literally, if I lean back, I would need sunglasses on. So. Yeah, just on your right eye though. It's like yeah. only your right eye seems to have sun. So anyways, well, Emma, this has been my pleasure. Uh, so for those listening in, you can go to emmajack.com. And uh, or check her out on Instagram on Press Play Physio. Emma, thank you so much for the time today. This has been a hoot. Oh, uh, thank you. This has been great. I've loved absolutely. connecting with you, and I'm so glad Jane brought us together. Yeah, Jane's good about that. Yeah. So, well, on behalf of Emma Jack, this is Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients. 